Got a new intro song. Okay. Yeah. Get that over a little bit, or just oh. try to keep in line with it. Like that? Yes. Yeah, that sounds way Perfect. Better. Yes. This is Wrench Life, and Blaze is here. I am. I'm here. And that's the normal intro. But I'm gonna skip there because who cares? Alright, this is Wrench Life. I don't even know what episode it would be at this point, because whatever, 23, 24, 21. No, well, it's going to be really fast, so it's probably 24. Yeah, like Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Daily yeah, brother. So Blaze is back, at least for the time being. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, that's about all it's just exciting because despair december december despair <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> december yeah uh so today we're gonna do uh i'm just gonna recap meettober because this is the first wrench life since meettober ended i actually did one recorded it and then just never edited it and just was like yeah fuck it i'll redo it with blaze sick uh then we'll recap no rest november which ended yesterday uh then i'm gonna kind of just from there uh what are we gonna do well, we can recap No Like November, too. Yeah, then we're going to talk about wh- where Blaze has been, what Blaze has been up to. Uh, and then we'll see if Blaze has a moment for us. I'm sure he does. And then I'll do a- another book excerpt. Last time I did the same book excerpt, but I wasn't particularly happy with how I did it. So, yeah, and then we'll end. So, great. We'll see how that goes. So, tell me about me, Tober. I mean, I know all about it, but the fans. Yeah. Hear all about it. So we're actually up to seven uh, listeners now. Whoa. Yeah, there's a guy at the skate park who was like, he's like, I'm the seventh one. He literally said that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I think Mike Olin actually listens. He was talking about listening to the podcast. Who's that? The bike guy? Yeah. He owns the 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 Volkswagen, whatever. Same same thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we talked a lot about Meat Tober. So I don't really talk too much more about it. So I just wanted to touch about uh, the feeling of being off meat, the good, the bad. Uh, the good is, it sugar tastes pretty good. <laughs> sure does. What I have, I ate um, a blondie, you know, like a cookie brownie or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, those are my favorite. I was like, oh my god, like the pims were all making fun of me. They're like, are you okay? And I'm like, just let me enjoy this. Holy crap! It was intense. It was amazing. Definitely had a little bit of a sugar buzz going. Uh, I guess that would be the good. Uh, the bad that would come along with that is. You know, it's more up and down. The meat diet was so level. Yeah. Now it's like, I mean, I'm not napping. Although I did take a nap once, but it's definitely not as stable. My exercise, I'm fine out the gate like I used to be. Mm-hmm. Not, didn't have that kind of slow in the beginning thing on the keto diet. So I guess that's good. Well, maybe I mean, having that baseline of of one thing, you might you're probably able to like really diagnose or uh dissect what each thing you're eating does yeah a little bit hello uh i just i started vegetables i very very few vegetables i was mostly been eating nuts really the only difference 
not too many refined carbs. Every time I did have a bunch of refined carbs, like I ate a whole pizza, man, I fucking paid for it. Oh, man, I was gargling, grumbling, rumbling, like two poops the next morning. Like, ugh. it seems like the, the wheat products just make me fart a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, that that's in line with <clears throat> how I feel, and all I eat is bullshit carbs. Not all I eat, but I, I eat it more than I should. I'm not feeling like the typical bloat feeling aside from the few times I ate the whole pizza. I did that more than once, if you're paying attention. <laughs> um, but, I don't know, it's just, it's so hard to not eat that food because it tastes so good and it feels so good. It just doesn't feel as good later. And I've definitely been struggling with the sugar cravings. It's like, I mean, it's almost like being possessed. Like, it's yeah. almost like I can't even make, like, it's like, a, like I'm like grabbing, like, the the peanut butter, like, uh, Nature Valley nut butter peanut butter thing at the skate park. I just, I like, can't, I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, how's this in my hand and open? Yeah, I, I almost And then I ate that, four of them. At the skate park with the, like, airheads. <laughs> they had the bright colors and everything. Yeah. They look so oh, good. Gay bacon strips. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mostly pretty good on my diet. Definitely more meat-centric, more carnivore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been putting Brussels sprouts on my breakfast. It's pretty interesting, though. Like, all day long when I burp, I could taste the Brussels sprout. And it does, definitely tastes way more pungent than they used to be. Like, mm. I recently had some more. Like, last night I made this, like, um, that was, like, butternut squash and yam and uh, carrot thing. And so a bunch of fiber there. The fiber seems to have a big effect on the overall pooping aspect. Mm. It's like all month on the meat diet, like it was almost like I could kind of poop whenever I wanted to. Like I could, don't have to. Yeah. It was never. It was never like I need to. It was just kind of like whatever. And then the first time I broke that diet, the next day I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta go!" <laughs> and now, and it was kind of like panicky, and that's how poops always felt in the past. And then for a month, they were, or like after the adjustment week, for a couple of weeks, they were not like that. And then it made the new, the current way that the normal way that everyone goes around bowel movements feel like this doesn't feel normal. Like I shouldn't be panicking. Like it shouldn't like be like, oh man, like, so that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to be better in December. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what last thing I noted here, current and then going forward. Yeah. I'm going to try to stay meat centric. It seems uh, to be working. Try to. Yeah. The beer's been the hard one. I was only going to drink on the weekends, and then that turned out to be every day. Well, I was trying to think of something clever. And that's a lot of carbs. Yeah. A lot of calories. So, I don't know. I'm really going to try to combine everything I've done into December and kind of make a nice trichotomy out of it where I'm going to limit the drinking, uh, stay carnivore-ish, and continue some of the No Rest November stuff, which segues perfectly into the next section. Just finished No Rest November. Um, and uh, there's a whole lot of running, all of it outside. Game? What's a game? Why would you run outside when there's treadmills? That's so dumb. But yeah, No Rest November. Spin class. <laughs> for Zoom and... Zo- uh, not Zoom. Zwift. Zwift and Peloton. Yeah. It's whack. Part of the thing in No Rest November is forcing yourself to go outside. Yeah. Which wasn't as hard. Yeah, it was year. so mild this yeah. year. Last year was so cold. But that was, yeah, I didn't go, I didn't get too cheeky this year and switch in a bunch of 10Ks and push it here and there. I really stuck strictly to just a 5K a day. 
my paces were decent. My slow runs were about, you know, 9.30 to 10.30, depending on how, you know, whatever. My fast runs were more around the 8-minute eight, eight mark and 9-ish if they were on trail. Probably did half trail, half pavement. It probably wasn't half half. It was probably more pavement than trail. Just the trail runs were more memorable because they're fun. Yeah. It's a lot more fun looking at trees than your block. Yes. <laughs> and compared to last year, the muscle recovery was fine. I mean, I was absolutely fine. I was not even sore. Last year, my mus- my quads and my calves were like, they felt like they were one giant bruise. They were so, so sore. And I don't know if it was the soreness or the temperature, but there's times I'd you know, pull into Seneca Park. I'd sit there in my car for like 15, 20 minutes like, fuck, fuck, dude. Like, <sighs> It's like sitting there for 20 minutes to run for half an hour. Yeah. And, you, and then after you get a mile in, you're like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Bad. But this year, I was just fine. My muscles feel good. Do you but, think that was due to the uh, the meat diet? Or uh, I think it was think from the Gist Golf. Oh, really? Oh, you, you did tell me well, that. Well, last year... I mean, I ran my first 5K ever, I think, in September. And then I ran a 10K once in October. Probably ran three times in October. And then in November, I just went from not running to, let's just do this every fucking day and do a 10K a week and a half marathon. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. (laughs) But, yeah, I played 270 rounds of disc golf this year. Yeah. And I played a bunch of running rounds, and I generally keep the pace up so that I was always a bike guy. Like I spent no time on my feet. This is pedaling, so I've had a lot, a lot, a lot of miles. I mean, every round of golf is going to be between two and four miles, so that's five hundred miles on my feet. Yeah. So that definitely conditioned me. Uh, I can imagine that, like having so much protein, would have my muscle recover muscles in pretty good shape. I don't know, honestly, in that department. Hmm. But it was good. I mean, I feel great, aside from. Like, I had, I had this weird muscle in the back of my knee that I, like, gets pissed off every once in a while from random shit. I'm not even sure if it's muscle or not, to be honest, but hmm. it's something that kind of happens a day or so, and then it's fine. So that happened once or twice. I got the old BMX knee, so that would happen, you know, on trail runs going downhill, you could kind of, like, you'd feel like, it doesn't hurt, but you'd feel the pressure's like... You're like, this is... This is fine for now. It's the kind of thing that most people say, my knee hurts, but for like a BMX yeah. person, you're like, oh, there's a little bit of a twinge in there. Yeah. Like, it's a little pissed Stuff off. Stuff that people would go to the hospital for. And <laughs> we're like, yeah, it was kind of annoying. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple times the knee was a little bit rough. Um, and then I had this pain in my shin. I guess it turns out it's a shin splint. I never knew that. Yeah, people, all these pussies have names for stuff that we just think, that ah, that's annoying. Yeah, I just think it's like, this muscle in my... I, I remember, like, you know, it's on the outside of my shin, the upper part, and I would always, like, take this leg over and use, like, the knob of my ankle and, like, kick the crap out of the side of my shin all the time when it would bother me. <laughs> but, like, it always come and go here and there. I never even, like, thought about it enough to find any sort of causal relation between what relationship with between what was aggravating it. And then over the last couple of runs, it got to the point where I had to walk on one run a little bit. And so I Googled it. I'm like, oh, it's a shin splint, huh? Okay. I yeah. guess it's relatively mild because people say it's pretty painful. I don't know. I think I've had them, like, from standing, like, in restaurants or even at the skate park before we got, like, a mat or something. Mm. It's amazing how much just a little mat can can affect your... 
Yeah, I was, yeah, I was reading and everything with like foot, knee, and ankle. They're like, oh, it, it could be your shoes. It could be the way your foot hits the ground. It could. It's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, literally any factor of yeah. how you interact with the world. And a lot of people on the running aspect, they talk about like hey, your foot gate, you can't, no heel strikes, you got to do this. Like my brother's always saying how he's, when he was running, he was like adjusting how his foot was landing so much and how he would feel different things, different places. Like, I honestly don't know. Maybe I'm just like a dumb animal. <laughs> And I was like, point me in a direction and it just start going. You know, I like the trail runs. Cause I think it forces you to like pick your your foot placement, and I don't think you you have to really think about how your foot lands. Cause well, I mean, you don't think particularly st- stride by stride because you're like you're navigating roots and rocks yeah, and leaves, and like about you have to think about it. yeah. I'd done runs where I didn't let my heels touch at all, and that was like, I mean, my shins felt absolutely fucking hammered the next day. But I didn't notice any difference in, like, foot or ankle pain. So, I don't really know. I'd say maybe I don't run enough for any of those problems to manifest. Uh, but, you know, it's like, oh, 5K a day. It's like, that's a lot, I guess. <laughs> but then there's other people that, like, I follow on Strava that run, like, not as often. But every run they do is, like, six, eight miles. It's like, okay. So, who knows? Whatever. But I felt great muscle-wise. Very, very happy with my muscle recovery. Very happy with with the performance uh i wanted to end stronger like i wanted to go out and like pr my 5k or run a half marathon and run a half marathon it's smart to to not do that if you're not feeling well yeah i guess because i was gonna get up this morning at seven and run a 10k and i was like yeah maybe i'll just run a 5k and then i got up at 8 15 and i was like yeah well don't have time now I thought I slept like shit last night, and then my Garmin said I slept for like 8 hours, 15 minutes, which is pretty on the longer end for me. Hmm. So I don't know. But, yeah, that's it. Let's see. Uh, Aches, pains, overall versus last year. Yep. Uh, and lastly, they're going forward. Yeah, I'm going to try to keep running throughout the winter. But I'm at 2,700 and something miles biked. And I'd like to get to 3,000, so that means I'd have to bike 250 miles this month, which would be pretty hard for December. So I don't know how much running I could sustain while doing that much biking, time-wise, because my schedule's super busy now. Mm. But, I don't know. I'm probably just going to try to keep my Strava streak alive, because last year I did 111 days of consecutive activities, logged. And this year I definitely have beat that. So I'm probably going to try to make sure I do something all the way through to the end of the year. The hardest for those are Saturdays, though, because it's like a you know, 12-hour day, and the girlfriend stays over, and Sunday's a long day, and then Wednesdays, I open up early, so that's not so bad, but on Tuesdays, you know, they're here to set up for school by 8.45, so if I can't get out by, like, 7.30, I can't get much of an activity in, but whatever. I just gotta make sure I keep doing something so I can keep telling everyone else they're pussies. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You don't know me, son. <laughs> you don't know me. Uh, and that basically concludes the wrap-up of No Rest November and Meettober. So that's cool, I guess. Um, now we're going to segue into a little recap of where Blaze has been, because you've been gone for how long? Like a year. A year. It's crazy how long and short a year can be. Yeah. It's almost like it's 365 days. Yeah, it's almost like that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked at at Alinea for a year so it's like been more than a year that I've been <clears throat> officially gone or moved so uh, I think I left what in the summer of last year 
and then it's all been kind of a blur. And was this a dream job? Dream job you left for? Or yeah, it was a it was a pretty big deal. I mean, it's like a it was one of the best rest. It was the best restaurant in the okay. country when if it opened. If one is dream and ten is nightmare, where did it? Where did you perceive it in the beginning as a, what it was going to be, and then where was it at the end? One is dream, ten is nightmare. Um, I thought of it as like a five because I was pretty I, when I when I staged, I hated it. I thought it was pretty awful. <laughs> That's and awesome. I just kind of convinced myself I was being a bitch and I wanted to go and, and mm. work as hard as I could for as long as I could. And I kind of set the time frame for myself. Like, well, if I if I move there and I work there for a few months and and I hate it that's not so bad and i tried it and then like okay well if six months works then there's really no sense in giving up after six months you know on your resume you should always do like a year yeah definitely a year looks good um so i was like well if that works then i'll do i'll do my year and then so six or, or so months in is when the the rona hit and then we all got furloughed um so the first six months were great i i progressed a lot um i worked as hard as I possibly could and uh, I think I did pretty well and I moved up the ranks pretty fast and uh, kind of established myself and then um, when the when the Rona hit and we all sh- everything shut down uh, a few weeks m- maybe even a week or two into that after the whole restaurant group got furloughed <clears throat> we wanted to try out uh, a to-go thing and trying out to-go ended up being the first day like 200 meals and then so once, were you doing like their crazy style to go stuff or was it like just more like originally we're just no. trying to get meals? Yeah, originally it was a uh, home style Alinea food to go and it turns out if you, you know, say that we're selling anything, people are going to buy it. So, yeah. you know, our our reservations sold out in like an hour for mm. a couple hundred meals. Wow. And once we built the the base of that and kind of figured out what we were getting ourselves into, we slowly brought people back and um just took that model and expanded it until it was it got out of hand i remember you sending me the picture of this like a billion chicken breasts or whatever they were yeah i mean it must have been like a thousand or something it's crazy yeah there was a few for one of the menus we did chicken thighs and there was mornings where i uh i signed invoices for orders of literally a thousand pounds of chicken thighs and then cooked them all morning i would go to the um our other one of the other restaurants we had up the which is by my apartment so up the street from alinea itself and i would go there at five in the morning uh, before anybody else was there too early and it would just be me in the basement of well it was like a really nice kitchen but yeah (laughs) um and i don't know 10 different pots full of ripping hot oil and chicken thighs and i would just flip chicken for a few hours and Jeez. then load my car up with it and drive it up the street. <laughs> so, so how much, how many chicken thighs can you fit in your in your Subaru? Um, and how good did it smell? Pretty good, <laughs> and um, a few hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah. So we had these these big. I'm sure I sent you pictures of them of the these big plastic containers yeah, called yeah. Lexans. You know, they're like this big and um, made of Lexan. Yeah. <laughs> um. And we put pretty much everything in those because they're like a big standard box that stack marginally well until mm-hmm. they fall over. Um, and so I would, you know, there was a lot of weird lifting going on there. Yeah. And I, I was, we all, I, I stayed in pretty good shape just doing that. 
yeah. which was, you know, moving these big, like just basically deadlifting, squatting and like overhead pressing these big stupid boxes around the whole the How wide are they? Um, I think they're about this big. So like the table. Mm. They're basically like the table if it was a little thinner. Mm. Um, I'm sure it was loaded with chicken. It probably isn't that light. And without that wide a lever, it'd probably be pretty Yeah, difficult. no, so you're grabbing it like, like this from the floor mm. and it's... Nice. You can put a couple hundred pounds in there. Pretty gnarly. Um, so yeah, we did the to-go thing. That got um, it was fun for a while. I think we it was an interesting shift in um, the culture there. Whereas I, I think I had mentioned before that, like I said, it was a nightmare because it's it's a it was a very intense um, when you work at that high level. There's a certain level of expectations and attention to detail and a weird level of of hazing. Like you know, if you ever watch. Uh, um, Hell's Kitchen. It it really is like that. Like some, some I never watched it. Some dude with a British accent yelling in your face, telling <laughs> you you're stupid. <laughs> um, but sometimes that's warranted. And then when we started doing this to go thing, it was a little more relaxed. We were doing a pretty in, um, a immense amount of work, but we did it happier. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then we uh, we did a pop up, which was just kind of a loophole to do our normal food again um so it was uh it was on the roof so it was technically outdoor dining um so it was a loophole that we could do we could serve 100 people a three quarter not three 25 course meal oh every night (laughs) that we did um alongside the uh alongside the to-go stuff which we had pulled back a little bit but it was still a pretty wild amount of work so so you're they're doubling you up yeah, so uh, there was a week, where, there was a two-week period where I worked 180 hours. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was straight up 110 hours one week, and it was, uh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's oh, a lot I know. Of hours. It's, I mean, you don't have time to even, like, decompress, really. No, I would literally, um, it would get done at 1 or 2 in the morning, I'd go, I'd go home and take a nap, and my girlfriend at the time, and I would... Which who worked with me, um, we would wake up in the morning and look at each other and just cry. Like, why are we doing this? Like, this is awful. Like, we just went to bed. Taking, it's, it's... taking a break from crying in the mirror, just crying, looking into someone else's face. <laughs> yeah, there's just one morning I'm never going to forget where we, you know, four-hour nap right back to work, and we're just like, what? What are we doing? And we, we, I don't think we even had the radio on or the music on in the car. We just That's drove true. in silence to work, like, just... <laughs> This is awful. <laughs> and the best part about the drive is we were we got to a, a stop sign and this dude was walking his dog and the dog just kind of gave up halfway through the street and just <laughs> laid down and the dude just dragged him and we're both like, yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> me too. Oh god. Um. So yeah, once it got like when there, I can work really hard, but it got to the point where it was that plus, uh, in unwarranted amount of hazing that was yeah. weird so had to come to an end yeah so i i have put my notice in and they promptly fired me the next day so, did you have any conversations before they fired like before yeah. that one like yeah that was what was interesting concerns yeah i think a, a month before you know I, I had expressed my concerns at how they were acting and i felt a a, a, a big shift in in how they were treating us in, in a in a negative way and I expressed my feelings in, in a concise and me you know, 
I'm a, I'm an emotional guy, so it's a little yeah. harder for me to like go up and I feel you <clears throat> do that. But I expressed my concerns. I, I I said what I think needed to change and move. And um, when that didn't happen again, I I again I went a little higher up the chain and said, hey, like your guys are not doing the right thing, and I'm thinking about leaving. And uh, you know, I thought I thought that would put a little pressure on them to. You know, I, I at least consider it. Yeah. yeah, my my station partner and myself worked. What they kept saying was a very important, challenging station, supposed to set the example and lead the rest of the crew. And I would think, from a management perspective, if your quote unquote best guys come up and say, "Hey, we're not happy with what's going on," you you know, I'm not just saying that because it's hard. I'm saying yeah. it's not right. You you would think that that would bend some things in the right way. And when, when that didn't and push came to shove and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to quit. Um, I don't think that everything that I had done up to that point in trying to change the situation was expressed to the chef because why would you, why would you go up to your boss and be like, Hey, this guy said we kind of sucked and he's really unhappy and we didn't do anything about it. So we quit. Because that makes you look bad. Because a person in the middle has to kind of admit they were kind of they kind of messed up. Yeah, to the and no, no one's going to do that. I would imagine it's a top down thing. So I'd imagine if they were strict with you, they'd be strict with him. Mm-hmm. So it was it's fear. Yeah, it's it, and it was a it was a weird <laughs> ego fest of you know kids that were my age that had never been leaders or Ooh. really done anything else in their lives and yeah being a. Uh, sous chef at Alinea is like a uh, I mean it's a huge deal and a great accomplishment but it shouldn't define you and be your yeah. only thing so so you left so I left then what's the plan uh, I was I was gonna drive around the west coast and um, or the midwest whatever just I, I converted the Subaru into a little camper setup and built a little bed to sleep in and I finally set off and um Made it to the Badlands, and then my first full day in Boulder, I snapped my leg. Broke your leg. Yep. Compound tib fib. Compound tib fib. Pretty much the the worst. Why don't you just tell us exactly what compound tib fib means? <laughs> well, it means there's there's two two bones in your leg, and I broke them both, and then the bones came out of my leg. Hmm. Yeah. So I uh, got my first surgery in Boulder that day, where they installed a tibial nail from my knee Whoa. to my ankle. Um, which involves cutting your knee and literally hammering a rod through your bones mm. to the point where my heel is bruised. I know mm. I've expressed that to you, but mm-hmm. I, it's so ridiculous to me that yep. my heel is bruised from surgery. Um, How long ago was that? A month and a week or something like that. Yeah, I see you're not on crutches now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm walking already, which is pretty amazing. Um, <clears throat> you would think that... I, I really expected to still be in like a full immobilized cast and everything, yeah, yeah. but um, they they X-rayed me and said I had some pretty early signs of some early healing and um, cleared me for walking as long as it doesn't hurt. As the um, the one the tibia with the with the rod in it, since it has the rod, can carry most of your weight, and um, as it heals, if the rod's just gonna carry less of your weight. Tibia is the big one. The big one, yeah, okay. and then the fibia is uh, a non-weight bearing bone it's uh, one of the doctors described it as just it just kind of holds muscles 
Like it's okay. just something for yeah, muscles yeah. to attach yeah. to. And it only carries about 8% of your body weight. So <laughs> there's no uh, support in that in my leg. Now it's still broken. <clears throat> but um, since it doesn't, it's not really a weight bearing uh, bone, it's it's cleared for, for from a, a health perspective. What did they tell you about like recovery? Did they like tell you anything about like what you should be doing or not doing or eating or not eating or like did they, did they just say like yeah no you're good? Yeah no I I if had I not <clears throat> been through Corona. yeah had I not been through many many doctors I don't think. I would have gotten the answers or I wouldn't have gotten the advice that my questions got. Yeah. If that makes sense. I never really had any broken bones, at least that I went to the hospital for. Um, yeah, I, w- I would just, yeah. Well, we all know that the medical, like those, those people are like, uh, they're like, it's like medicine, like mechanics. Like they just care about the physical, like bio. Yeah. It's not, yeah. You're saying like the bone, the ligament, yeah reattach yeah. goodbye yeah. you know yeah. which is very different than like all the biomechanics and the biology of it and like i would imagine like i mean if you just snap two bones it'd be like oh maybe it's a good idea to make sure you're getting a lot of calcium you know it's maybe yeah. make sure you're getting you know they, they did say like i was diet was like don't be vegan <laughs> yeah had i been vegan i would not be walking did you right see now. joe rogan shared that article where it's like uh vegan i think i vegans, sent it to you did you i think a couple of people said it to me <laughs> vegans have a 43 percent higher chance of bone breaks or something oh no you know what you sent me that one and then the next day i sent you the other one he posted that was like vegan um being <clears throat> vegan isn't going to save the planet oh yeah it's not yeah um but for sure, I don't. I think I, I don't particularly eat that much. Meat. I always start calling them Megans because it's all about me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bunch of Megans, Megan, Megans. <laughs> um. Yeah, they, there was a little bit about diet saying um, <clears throat> that I should maybe up my my protein, obviously to to help with the healing. Yeah, I'd imagine, like, you'd want a lot of proteins, a lot of, the, like, the collagens and all, like, that, like, slow-cooked stuff, because you, like, I mean, you get a lot of, I'm sure there's lots of damage when that something that catastrophic yeah. happens. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, for what it was, it's, if you're gonna break two bones and have them come out of your body, um, pretty good scenario as to, <laughs> as to where it happened. If it was lower, it would have maybe caused some yeah. ankle issues or higher. It might have messed with my knee. That ligament and tendon yeah. stuff is such a, so much slower recovery. Mm-hmm. You know? Than just bone breaking. So, yeah, I mean, like, I if, it feels pretty weird. <laughs> <clears throat> like, I'm never going to forget the feeling of, I, I was actually, I had a little weird flashback of falling last night and the the feeling of when I I picked my leg up and my foot didn't come with oh that's so freaky dude yeah I don't, <sighs> yeah it was rough but we're walking again um, driving I'm at the gym which has been helping a lot I think getting back in the gym and uh, yeah. getting the blood flow going and definitely and just if anything for my mental health to just not you should see Phil going at his lat recovery like a lunatic dude yeah you were telling me he's always like, massaging it or anything insane it or anything. man like, like it's i've never seen someone go so hard into anything it's phil so i mean that pretty much goes for anything phil does i mean i don't think there's anything i could do better than phil <laughs> he's crazy all right 
we don't gotta go too crazy because I'd like to later on di dive deeper into some of that stuff. I'd really like to talk about that, like what that was mentally like. But I think that, that can warrant a whole conversation. Oh yeah, we could talk um, a while about. I've that. had plenty of injuries and stuff, and we could talk all about like identifying pains and, but like that idea of just like the structural thing of like like that's a foundational idea in your head like oh that, that's your leg and then when it's not there like i it's like whoa yeah you know we, that's that's uh, it'd be probably good to talk about that even later because i'm still kind of reframing how i feel yeah. about my my physicality it's strange well i said to you and it's worth noting here that uh like ptsd essentially is when something occurs that you didn't think could occur like it's like you like like everyone thinks their rationality is like the bedrock of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden something happens that shatters it, and it's something you were a hundred percent certain of. Oh, there's it's my leg. It's always my leg. I never even thought that they that my leg could be two pieces. And it takes a long time to remap all of that in your brain to be and like, like you'll think about it and it trips like a wire, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, my leg. Like that's that's what PTSD is. That's what happened yeah. with my face. That's what happens with people in war. You know the problem with like the war stuff is like you can't really like go through that like you can't like you broke your leg you could look down at your leg and be like hey it's there now like it broke it healed okay yeah like eventually you could remap that in your head you know like i smashed my face in the ground and knocked my teeth out like just just dicking around just being dumb and then like the idea of like i was one with my bike but then this thing happened this error happened that was so catastrophic like i it, i mean it took me like three years to mentally get over it yeah it's a panic attacks happens in like a war it's like what are you gonna do you can't be back in that battlefield you can't be back in that situation like there's really no way to remap that yeah you can't yeah you can't like relive or or go other than your own memory of yeah. it, which is obviously skewed you yes can't, you can't so but anyway all right, let's, we'll jump back to that if you're one of the seven listeners feel free to let us know which one of those things you'd like to elab have us elaborate on later yeah Otherwise, I'll choose. Um, and then we can go here into some mindful moments if you would like. I didn't have time to think about any of these, so I don't think I really have one. We can cue the music here, which sounds lovely. I mean, do you have one? I mean, I'm sure you got plenty. I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, if you don't have one, we don't have to do it. We can go right into the next section. I've got sad ones. For sure, I have uh, some unhappy ones. Um, would that be like an anxiety moment, or are we talking like an angry moment? Cause I gotta hit the right button on the soundboard. I know. Board. I'm trying to think. Well, it's no, it's not. That's not ceremony. <laughs> um, I guess it's not anxiety either, though. It's just like I, I've I've been dealing with a lot of just straight up sadness. I don't know how to. Yeah, that was slow. <laughs> I slow it down? I don't think there's a way to slow it down. <laughs> well, I mean, like I mentioned, um, you know, I was quit my job but was fired, so that was kind of a, um, a betrayal, a, we a weird remapping. Well, yeah, um, that's, that's a shot right to you and your status. Yeah, and then um, dumb girlfriend stuff, and then... Always. And then breaking my leg it felt like oh well that's like everything that i thought was 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 <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny it's not funny but in any like the 
when Jordan Peterson talks about like uh, dominance hierarchy stuff, some like people have like breakdowns. And he always like he always says these things that almost sound like ridiculous that wouldn't happen. And he's like, what? What? He's like, what if, what if you lose your job, lose your girlfriend, break your leg? All of a sudden, your whole world is destroyed. And it's like that doesn't happen to people. <laughs> it's like the place. Uh, apparently, it does. I mean, like, I mean, every realm of your existence is is which got blasted. Like you're like. It's a lot to remap mentally, yeah, and physically for that matter. Yeah, it's it's been a lot, and um, yeah, it's just been having, uh, you know, sometimes. Gotta take a little time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just some for a few weeks when I got home um, to here, uh, I I would just have nights where I would just cry all night, just uncontrollable mm. sobbing for a few hours the good and, old days yeah it's real nice and uh that had subsided a bit until last night i just um this will segue and i think the next thing is I, I went off my meds yeah and i think i i it just all hit me yesterday I just like didn't go to sleep till like four well i imagine in the morning. all of a sudden you're gonna be like you're flooded with highs and lows of serotonin after oh, not yeah. being on that so that's gonna throw you for a loop yeah you're like basically a chick on her period right now yeah and with, <laughs> do you want to segue right into that then or is that was that the next thing or i don't know what was the next thing i don't know you said we're gonna do the next thing after the moments no we could riff on this for a little bit oh. um yeah it was the the last few days i had like nausea and dizziness mm. which again like stuff people would be like oh my god what's wrong with me i'm like man it's this is weird. I feel a little strange today. I, I, I've been working out and I thought maybe I hadn't, you know, recovered enough or eaten enough. And then I'm like, you know, just Google sertraline withdrawal. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. nauseous and dizzy. And it, 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 some of that subsided and some of the mental stuff has come back up uh, yesterday and today. I think generally a lot of people catastrophize, which is one of the Freudian defense mechanisms where it's like, you know, they feel something hurts, and they're just like, oh, well, you know, they just jump to the most dramatic thing yeah. rather than, like, having, you know, the rational, or what we're perceiving as rational, um, or, like, that, and like, I, I, I like the idea of anti-fragility, where it's like, something's wrong, like, okay, what is this? Yeah. It doesn't seem that serious, like, to err on the side, you know, of caution. I mean, obviously, you need to take it seriously with a lot of stuff, but... That's kind of how I've been taking it with my leg, too. It's like they said, as long as it doesn't hurt, you can pretty much go for it. So it's been a, a weird game of pushing my leg to its limits and being like, you know, I was walking to my car from Wegmans one day and I was like, I got a pretty sharp pain in my broken ass leg. And I was like, oh, well, there's the limit. <laughs> I'm not going to freak out and call my doctor. But yeah. like it was okay that hurt that was in that was bad <laughs> rather than oh it's sore i have a broken yeah, yeah. leg it's not gonna feel good and in that same vein of catastrophizing a lot of people it would be like oh, well this is just my new leg you know like yeah. same thing with phil like he wouldn't settle for a doctor unless the doctor said we'll get you back to 100 every other doctor would be like well you know you're kind of old like 32 yeah you know and like, yeah, it'll just never be the same, you know, and a lot of people just like something happens in their life and they're like, I guess this is the new normal, yeah. like COVID world this is the new normal. It's yeah. like, no, I will not accept that. Yeah. It's, yeah. So that's, that's all I got for that. Yeah. So I, I'm a little uh, afraid today as I did not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, throwing it way back, 
uh, do you remember Live Journal? It was like an early like Tumblr, but pretty oh. much just text. I mean, every, there was like there was like blurred. Sounds familiar. Then there was like Zanga. Then there was Live Journal. It was all like in the MySpace days. They were just like you just write stuff and the people could see what you write. So it was like this whole like social media, like everyone's social watching. Social media, pre-social media. Oh my media. God, I read your live journal post, like <laughs> or whatever. But my, uh, like one of the taglines on mine was a Nirvana lyric that was, I miss the comfort in being sad. Hmm. And that was something I like, I always liked the idea of it, but I didn't like really rash. I couldn't like, didn't really grasp it till like the last year or so when I'm not sad anymore. And it's like, there's this like weird comfort in being sad and depressed where it's like you don't got to worry about like other problems because you're just so consumed by like this Sadness. existential yeah. dread you know you're just like Ugh. it's like it's like comforting it's like i don't got to worry about i'm not even gonna think about work stress or this stress because i'm just like Fuck. yeah but obviously it's not healthy at all yeah it's like the opposite i mean it's obviously the opposite of doing the correct thing with those feelings i mean there's a time and a place for that i'm not saying don't feel things but um as opposed to like oh let me take this and turn it around it just it mellows it out in the other way where it's like okay everything sucks so what can suck more i think it's appropriate to soak in it like i think you have to soak in it but you have to be critical and analytical of it you can't just like soak on the sadness or soak in all the defense mechanisms that aren't going to lead you anywhere like you have to like think about it and analyze it and break it down and that means you have to get like knee deep into the swamp and then you take a step and you fall up to your neck and you're almost drowning in your own psyche you know and then then you realize huh maybe that was all my fault <laughs> and no one wants to think about that can't be my fault then it would be my fault. yes to blaze lion <laughs> i wasn't even setting you up for that <laughs> actually this will actually segue into a moment for me i was um it's kind of funny. I hope Dara doesn't listen to this. Um, my girlfriend wrote... Um, so I have, I have a picture in my room, right? And it's mm-hmm. like a little montage of me and my friend Lynn. And um, I kept noticing it was turned around. And I was like... or No, it had fallen over. So I was like, huh, weird, whatever. And then it was turned around. And I was like, huh. And then one day it was just like gone. And it was like two shelves down. And then I like just went downstairs. And I was like, are you gaslighting me? And she's like, what? I'm like, are you gaslighting me? She's like, what? I just kept staring down. She's like, oh, the picture. I'm like, yes, the picture. He's like, I'm detail-oriented enough to realize that something in my room moves. And then um, she wrote me a note. And then the, the note, I mean, it was a very, this is kind of what we do. Like, she'll write it down so we can kind of, like, get through it easier. And it was like, you know, um, I don't know why you would have this picture of your ex-girlfriend in your room. You know, it makes you feel like you're not fully committed, like you get one foot in the past, blah, 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 blah. And then I was just like texting her, I'm like, that's not my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> like, this girl I never dated. She's like, well, I just feel dumb now. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, it's better we talked about it. You probably should have brought it up sooner so you didn't stress out about it for God knows how many months, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of maybe her, more, her, her moment than mine. But what I'm getting into is, I was cleaning my room, like, the next day, and I found, like, kind of, like, what I, like, said to her is, like, I'm like, you're, like, I mean, you're right, I shouldn't dwell on the past, and it, when I was younger, I totally did dwell on the past, and I'm pretty much over that, and I want to be, like, minimalist utilitarian, I want to throw away, like, everything I own, but it's, it's honestly really, really fucking hard to throw away anything, and I'm like, I have no attachment to my ex-girlfriend anymore, like, obviously, there's really fond memories that always be there, but it's not like I'm, like, 
envious of her fucking husband or something. It's yeah. like, I don't fucking care. My life is fucking sick. And, um, but then I, I realized like, I do have a lot of stuff in the past. I don't really necessarily need. And then I was cleaning my room and I found like, I still have like random notes from my ex-girlfriend. I mean, we like, we just dated in 2004 and by 2013 it was over, you know, yeah. it's like eight years ago now, seven, eight, whatever. Like I found like, I still have notes like in this drawer and that drawer. I'm like, why well, don't I have all these? And then I was like, I should just put them in that box, all the stuff I have hers. I'm like, wait, why do I have the box? <laughs> then I'm like, open the box up and I was like, gonna like get nostalgic and read it. I'm like, why do I want to read these notes from when I was in high school? And I was like, I should just get rid of this. And I was like, oh man. And I just had this moment. I'm like, should I? Like, like it would probably be a nice, like, just burn the whole box. It would kind of be closure to it. But at the same time, it's like, man, that was like my first love. And it's not like it's more like a, a romanticism of the the first love, not so much her, because like we were just fucking kids, and like yeah. I mean, I think basically my relationship was pretty on my side pathological, and like the one note I did read was just like you know we were kids, I was straight edge because my mom fucking was a drunk and everything, and she was partying and she was trying to explain to me how she just wants to like be a teenager and like party with her friends and have a good time and. I can remember how like mad I was about it and how unrealistic it was and how much I felt like she was betraying me and like reading it now I'm like I mean she seems pretty rational and it's pretty pretty well written and like I was totally just being a little bitch about it you know yeah and I was like maybe I should text her about it like why would I text her about it yeah. you know like <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I have it all I don't know if I'll burn the box one day or not but I'll see about actually texting her and being like did you get rid of it you know like yeah. should I like but then I'm like why am I thinking that uh, you know it's interesting to be able to go through those things and and watch yourself as you go through it yeah and i think that's something that people like you and i take for granted that a lot of people don't i mean maybe not take for granted but like most people don't think about that shit they're just like ah feelings sad <laughs> oh that's no good poor booze on it i mean most people aren't self-aware they don't like i mean if if you can't think about how you used to think about something. It means you haven't really changed or learned or progressed, and that's kind of sad. But people are generally kind of stupid, and that sounds harsh. Yeah, but it's true. But um, to segue into the next section, the book, the quote in the, the book I'm going to do, there's another section I saved from that book. It's basically about how uh, normal people are pretty dumb. Yeah. And uh, how, like, other intelligent people don't really uh conduct themselves in a manner where they understand that or like maybe they just don't understand that that the general public can't general public can't understand the complexities of a lot of like ideologies and like economies and all these things and to like i said i was saying about like sam harris like his anti-religious sentiment where he's like oh you know rationality can uh manifest on its own you don't need a framework and it's like yeah if you're smart, like, yeah. and you have the time to sit down and contemplate, like, life and decision-making, but most people, like, have to fucking work. Most people have, like, lives and jobs and kids and, like, you know, any time they have to spend to contemplate the fucking universe and the, or the reality of truth is when they're a teenager and they're not concerned about that then, you know? So, maybe one day I'll talk about that, but, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Let's just segue right into the book section. I have to go to a doctor appointment. What time? At a nooner. Nooner? So, Where is 15 it? 15 minutes. Oh, that's fine. I'll, get, I'll bang this out pretty quick. Great. 
Um, so the book is called Liberalism by Ludwig von Mises. He's of the Austrian School of Economics. Mr. Mises yes. of Economics. And a little bit of uh, preface here. I need to note a couple of these things before we go into it. Uh, they're talking about liberalism in its true form. Uh, which would be a classical liberalism, not the modern United States distorted definition of liberal. Uh, and if you watch any political stuff, people that live in the UK are always saying like, oh, what's liberal in the UK is different than what's liberal in the United States. Mm -hmm. And this is different than that. This is traditional classical liberalism. Um, what I wrote, it's also worth noting that we use it a vague at best and historically ignorant at worst definition of socialism. Uh, we, for some reason, now think socialism is redistributionism. Hmm. And lastly, the real political divide is not left to right. It's libertarian versus authoritarian. Um, and then lastly, before the quote, no, two more things, equality versus equity. Um, equity is equality of Equality is equal opportunity. Equity is equal outcome. The, like that's the thing where things get kind of gray and where socialism starts to sound attractive, albeit that's mostly the younger and lower income bracket because of course, like obviously if you're on the lower side, redistribution sounds great because you're getting stuff, yeah. essentially. Um, and or, or not your stuff. Yes. And liberalism, is. this is as defined by Wikipedia, Liberalism is the political and moral philosophy based on liberal liberty, consent of the government, and equal equality before the eyes of the law. Um, so by that definition, as soon as the state takes from you, it's anti-liberal. Hmm. You know? And that reminds me of that one quote, any government that's big enough to give you everything is also big enough to take away everything you have. So that's the quote. One. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of different iterations of that quote people said, but... It's absolutely true. So here's the quote. I'll do it right from the audiobook. State is the apparatus of compulsion and coercion. This holds not only for the night watchman state, but just as much for every other, and most of all for the socialist state. Everything that the state is capable of doing, it does by compulsion and the application of force. To suppress conduct dangerous to the existence of the social order is the sum and substance of state activity. To this is added in a socialist community control over the means of production. Okay. Let's kind of break that down. Uh, by state, they mean government, essentially. Uh, compulsion is the action or state of force. Sorry. The action or state of forcing or being forced to do something. Coercion is the practice of persuading someone to do something by using force or threats. Okay. Duh. Uh, she meant the the reader mentions the night the night watchman state, which is also known as a minarchy, which is a model of state that is limited and mineral min mineral minimal. Uh, the only function of a night watchman state would be uh, non it's quote the non aggression principle, which would be providing military, police, and courts, basically protecting from aggression, theft, breach of contract, uh, fraud, and just enforcing general laws. It would basically be like the ultimate libertarian government. Like, we give you the, you know, the military, police, and courts. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right? So she's saying, the, the reader is saying, even the most libertarian force or form of government is still bad. <laughs> um, and it's worth noting uh, that 
a night watchman state a minarchy would be like libertarian it'd be like libertarian anarchism kind of to where like like libertarian right would be like the minarchy and libertarian left would be like pure anarchism mm -hmm. with a you know obviously everything gets really 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 gray there all right so let's, we'll go down sentence by sentence um state is apparition apparatus of compulsion and coercion blah 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 uh so what what Mises points out there is that this affects every single form of governance period from from the socialist all the way to the most basic form right everything the state is capable of doing it does through compulsion and through the application of force I mean if you think about it I mean to, to suppress any dangerous conduct I mean you have to do was it go to jail it's a fine yeah. there's a guy i mean you do something wrong there's a guy with a gun standing there that's essentially it like yeah. there's nothing the government doesn't do that isn't backed by force really yeah because otherwise there's no reason to do it yeah and the libertarian argument is always like yeah the government can make all the suggestions they want just don't put a gun to my head and force me to do it. obviously that's a little bit polarizing but yeah to suppress conduct dangerous to the existence of the social order is the sum and substance of state activity and then in the socialist one that means control over the means of production. So the hammer there is that it's basically socialism is as anti-liberal, I mean, as you can get. It takes you right off the edge of a totalitarian, authoritarian rule. It just, like, kind of sounds nicer. Um, <laughs> let's see if I read exactly what I wrote here. Do-do-do-do. Uh, yeah, so socialism is anti-liberalism taken as far as it can up to the edge of a totalitarian authoritarian rule where the lines get gray and in fact if not in many if not in all socialist states they brazenly walk right past that line I mean, it's, a, it's a pretty simple quote i think i just don't think people think about government in that sense that like the only way it control i mean like you got fucking cameras in the highways now yeah oh you gotta pay the toll yeah it's like they're like, oh, we're gonna build the throughway. We'll be tolls for ten years. After ten years, like, eh, we're gonna keep them up. Oh, yeah. we're gonna raise the prices. We'll yeah. enforce it by law. Yeah. It's like what? That's yeah. You're you're being fined to use the service you already paid for. Someone already paid for it at the very least. Especially in the COVID world, where with all these crazy darconian, like big government, big control, like you, you got you get this, this, closing that, closing this. It's like the only like. Like I said, I'm not closing my business unless someone shows up with a gun. Yeah. Because that's the only way they could, I mean, not a gun, but like, I mean, if someone's going to show up and like write me a fucking summons or something, like, I guess I could try to close, but I mean, what, it's not the government's job to decide that. Like, no, it's not. Like, what's in the best interest of the people is what the government should be, is in their best interest, because that's what's best for the country, it's best for everyone. But to back that up with like $10,000 fines and all this stuff with the COVID shit, it's a little bit over the line. I think in this... I mean, people really should read that book. They should really, like, like, I don't know, man. Some of the kids at the skate park were talking about, the one kid was like, I'm a communist. I'm a socialist. I'm like, you're an idiot. It's like, you're a child. <laughs> it's like, you've never even read a book. And, like, this, the, I don't know what school's teaching them, but it's not that There's great. A great episode of King of the Hill where Hank tries to get Luann to vote, and they take her, take her to, like, a voting fair or whatever. And she's, like, goes to the communist guy. She's like, well, he was he had the shortest line and he had a red shirt on and so I'm a communist. Oh god. <laughs> it's 
sharing. <laughs> you know, one of Joe Rogan's more controversial positions is that he thinks there should be like a test you need to pass to vote. Yeah. I think there should be some sort of baseline understanding. I mean, like, because people are dumb and the politicians know that, like, all they got to do is make you scared and they get the vote or they kind of rope you in like, like cheap, you know, not to be too, you know, polarizing, but. I mean, people don't know. They don't like people don't even vote on fucking policy. They vote on personality. Yeah. Like you can't. No one can even tell all your anti-Trumpers. You know, what's your why don't you like Trump? Like, oh, he's a jerk. Yeah. What about his policies? I don't know. Gay. He's bad on gay people. Yeah. He's bad on immigration. In what way? You know. The stuff the media says. It's the ca- the cages. Yeah. Yeah. The cages. He's mad, sad. Mad. Trump bad. Yeah. Whatever. You gotta get going, so yeah, we'll wrap it up. I didn't do a good job breaking down that quote, but fuck it. Liberalism. Ludwig von Mises, I'll put it, it'll be right here in the video. Nice. Um, you should read it. I'm Ludwig von Mises, look at me. It's a, it's a great it's a great thing to think about right now. It's a, I mean, you said, you, you give the government all this power, like, they're not gonna give it back. No. Like, the, I don't the, know. The tolls are a perfect example of that. Yeah. It's like... It'll pay for itself, and then more. I just don't, like... Whatever, they closed the skate park downtown. Okay, it's fine. It's a public park. They own it. They can do it. Tell businesses you can't operate. It's like, then... Mm-mm. But they're protecting us. Because we, we can't be trusted to protect ourselves. It's ridiculous. Makes me want to pack my fist full of hate. Take a swing at the world. Kids stick to themselves. Well, it's French life, so. Nothing's better than feeling good. Something like that. Something. Godspeed.